1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time?
2: I saw that, yeah, NASA Glenn, I spent, so I spent a lot of time with them in Cleveland. That's the research center that NASA has in Cleveland. And um, like last year, I'll go over there like every you know, Monday or Tuesday, just to try to learn something, hang out with them. So it was cool to get some love from my people at NASA.
1: Josh Dobbs did indeed get some love from NASA. They refer to him as the Pastronaut, and there he is in an astronaut suit. I mean, the guy is really smart. You could argue Definitely. too smart to be playing football. <laughs> right. Take care of that brain, Josh. Right. You got great things still to come as you move forward with your life. But you know what? He truly loves football. is evidenced by the fact that he has gone from team to team to team over the years. And I don't know how long-term of a home he has found with the Minnesota Vikings. My son... Believes, as I said yesterday, that Kevin O'Connell loves him some Josh Dobbs. And my son is wondering whether or not Josh Dobbs could be the guy beyond this season. As I said last week when someone asked me about it, or really it was early this week after what we saw Dobbs do on Sunday against the Falcons, these things tend to work themselves out in time. Exactly. We'll know by the time we get to the end of the season. There is a way this happens that it becomes obvious he stays there's a way it plays out that it becomes obvious he goes so we'll see I just think it's fun it is fun in a season with so many injured quarterbacks and so much bad offensive football it's kind of kind of refreshing that a guy who was overlooked for so many years to start his career Chris is getting an opportunity to flourish. We'll see what he does on Sunday against the Saints. And then we see him in primetime the following – no, yes, Sunday night on NBC against the Broncos, and then primetime again Monday night against the Bears. Wow. We're going to see a lot of Josh Dobbs in the coming weeks. That's amazing. You're right, though. It it
3: will filter itself out. I don't think you have to worry about that. The play on the field will always be the the great litmus test there. Like I said, you know, I don't expect him to – take over and, and end up, like, making people go, ooh, he's a starting quarterback. But I expect him to have moments where people are like, hey, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Ooh, yeah. You know, he could be a backup for us. But he's going to have some moments, too. We're going to go, oh, man, how did he miss that throw? How did he do that right there? Right? that That's what I think will happen. I'm not rooting for that. I mean, his story is unreal. You know, I appreciate his perseverance, his brain, everything about it. Uh so we'll see where it goes. I mean it's the craziest thing ever. Start what seven, eight games to the Arizona Cardinals. They decide they want to go a different route. They cut him. He's back here starting again, and we're gonna we're gonna reevaluate him in the same team in the same season with a different team. It it really is uh pretty hilarious when you when you say it out loud.
1: Didn't cut him, traded him and Yes, Did I say cut? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah, You said cut. Sorry. But he was told, I don't know that we've talked about it here. Maybe we did on Monday. I don't know. I can't remember. If I can't remember, you can't remember. And I don't mean you, Chris. I mean you, the audience. I think I said on Monday that he was told by his agent, Mike McCartney, the same agent that represents Kirk Cousins, have a bag packed in Arizona. He thought he was going to Minnesota or back to Cleveland, which traded him to Arizona in the first place. Think about that. Yeah, You have a couple of great games. Great, not great, I don't know. Good enough games with the Titans. Good enough. Yes. They they didn't beat the Jaguars in Week 18, but they did beat a depleted Cowboys team, depleted by choice, on a Thursday night in late December, early January-ish time frame. It was during the holidays. It was late December, I think. So anyway, anyway, he signs with Cleveland, ostensibly to be the backup to Deshaun Watson. They get close to the start of the season. They decide we can entrust this gig to Dorian Thompson Robinson. Let's trade Josh Dobbs to the Cardinals who were looking for someone because they dumped Colt McCoy and yeah, starts eight games and then almost back to Cleveland. It was Cleveland or Minnesota, Minnesota. And it's not like it took a lot to get him. It was the player plus a seventh round pick for a sixth round pick trade that we've seen happen seven or eight times so far this season. Yeah. So the Vikings didn't give up a lot to get him, which makes it even more, Amazing, and it's an issue we're going to talk about later in the program because it's an interesting contrast to another situation where a quarterback was needed. But yeah. quarterbacks have been needed all over the league this year. Point that I made to you on Monday, and I reiterated yesterday on the PFTPM podcast that I do on Wednesdays in season, we can't expand the league. We can't. I'd love to. I'd love more teams, more games. You can only no, get it's just water it maximum, down. I think, Yeah. Of 18 regular season games. Like, it's just a matter of time before the NFL pushes the union to go to 18. Beyond that, to increase inventory, you need more teams. But there aren't enough quarterbacks for more. There aren't enough for 32. How are we going to 34 or 36? Isn't it amazing? There aren't enough guys for all the players that we see at the college level. There aren't enough. More than enough running backs. Sure. Not enough quarterbacks. Yeah. No, It it, it is amazing. It is. I mean, uh,
3: you know, and what I would say on to it, it's a systemic problem. You know, one, that's where I would say college football hurts the NFL and the developing of quarterbacks. That's another issue. You know, it, it's it's so simple right now. It's, it's going backwards in that direction as far as offensive alignment and their development, where they're at and all of that. I would say that's – that's part of the equation to a degree, and then Mike, the other part of it too is what I'll say, and you've heard me say this before. You know, I, I think there's more of a offensive coordinator problem in football than there is the quarterback problem. You know, I know we got injuries this year, we got issues, but man, I mean, there's a lot of offenses and things I look at where I just go, yeah, well these these defenses have evolved and. uh, There's a handful of offensive coordinators that are like, nope, nope, this is what I learned in 1997 and I'm not going to change. And, you know, they're they're not giving quarterbacks, even backups, whoever it is, the ability to have any advantages on the football field. You know, plus I think, you know, the running quarterback and what we got in football and all that, I do think that's leading to lower scoring. I do. I don't think it's actually leading to more points on the board. It might lead to more yards and rushing yards and passing yards in between the thirties. But you know, because of the running quarterbacks and some of that, I think we have some, you know, guys in there that are don't throw the ball as well as they used to twenty, thirty years ago. You know, on a consistent basis throughout the league. So there's there's a lot of things here. It's a deep subject. We could really spend a, a lot of time on
1: it, in, in my opinion. Well, and what we had seen for a while was. A willingness by offensive coordinators to embrace the college quarterbacks that they were getting. Right. Design a system yeah. that meshes with what the college quarterback did well to get on the radar screen anyway. Has that that's still a thing, I, it's right? Still a thing. They've understood you can't just jam the square peg into the round hole. No, it's if still a like thing. If you like the guy, right. do what he did to make you like him. But everybody's doing the same thing in college. So then it's going to the NFL, and they're like,
3: oh, yeah, we got in the spread in college, so let's do in the spread in the NFL. And all of a sudden you look around the NFL and you go, well, damn, there's 20 teams doing the same thing because they're doing it around their, you know, their, their quarterback and the spread offense. They're doing it that way. And that's where I don't think it's necessarily – you know, beneficial to explosive plays, points on the yard, uh, points on the field. You know, again, I look at some of the the top teams in football and you go through it and, you know, you go to Philadelphia, Detroit, San Francisco. What's the first thing they're good at, Mike, right now? Oh, running the ball between the tackles, doing stuff like that, play, action, pass. There's more of that element to go a Baltimore. It's not your, you know, everyday middle of the, you know, like offense. It's different. Right, So I, I think there's, there's a lot of things there that, that come into play, let alone I just think between defenses right now are more creative when I look at it. They have figured out how to defend offenses, and then the defensive line problem that we talk about where there's eight good defensive linemen on every football team and there's barely five good ones on the offensive line, I think that also leads to the offensive issues we're seeing in the NFL with like lack of scoring in some weeks and some games and matchups.
1: And think about that. Teams are having a hard time finding, developing, and keeping healthy five offensive linemen each. Yeah. But they all aspire to have a rotation of eight defensive linemen that they can bring in and yeah. overwhelm, especially the deeper you get into the game. These guys are fresh. They've had time off. They're feeling good. They're feeling invigorated. Exactly. It's just odd to think. And maybe, maybe it's as simple as the – Guys of that size are choosing to chase the quarterback. Yeah, I think so, too. Protect the quarterback. Right.
3: Right. Well, it's it's. I, I think there is something to that. Think about it. You know, you and me aren't that size, right? But we just put it at a base level. What's more fun? you know, put your hand in the ground, not think as much and just go get the damn guy with the ball or, you know, stop the crazy guys that want to go get the damn guy with the ball, stop them in their tracks. And then also have to like, learn and think about all these damn things before you snap the ball. And then we got to work as a unit to stop these crazy guys who don't get to think at all. They just fly up field and be crazy. You know, doesn't it sound more appealing to be a defensive lineman than an offensive lineman? It does to me at least. (laughs)
1: Well, and I don't want to get on a cultural soapbox, but think about how selfless you have to be to be an offensive line. And if everything right. goes well, if you do your job perfectly, you get no credit Yes, because what you've managed to do is fuel the machine that will result in all of the praise accentuated by fantasy football in today's NFL, the quarterback, the running back, the receiver, the tight end, We're talking about everything. They're doing great. There's no fantasy football statistic for blocking, but without the blocking, none of that stuff is happening. So if it's not working, you're blamed like in New York with the Jets. If it is working, you're forgotten. I think the personality type that is willing to accept that existence is rare today. Yes. With social media, instant sure. gratification. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm saying get off my lawn no, here. No, I hear you. Realistic. I think you're making a good point In here. the yeah. 70s, it was still difficult to, you know, it was kind of an old school, strong, silent type, not looking to get credit. Exactly. Doesn't care about the people who don't get it. The people who get it know that the reason that the offense is playing so well is because I'm doing my job and I don't need the glory. I don't need the credit. I don't need the Instagram followers. I don't need to be the one that has a podcast. I don't, you know, it's different now. Yeah. And yeah. What's the quicker path to fame and fortune? It's being a defensive lineman, not an offensive lineman. No, I I think there's a lot, a lot there to
3: what you said, right? I think there's a little bit more of a, you know, uh, lack of – or more machoism from the defensive linemen, and they're just, I'm the man, I'm going to kick butt and do all that. Where the offensive linemen, they have that, but – they're more cerebral and maybe, you know, into other things in life and and, and and looking at things a different way. I always kind of found it interesting, the contrast in the locker room between the offense and defensive linemen. You know, you've heard me say it a little before, right? You know, offensive linemen, and I always love to say it like this because I had a weight coach that always explained it to, like this to me. Uh, down in Tennessee, uh, Jeff Watterson, he was the man, and he would, you know, he'd be like, hey, you know, these offensive linemen, they're like – they're like cows you know they'll just sit in the corner and graze and if you don't get the poker out every now and then go hey guys we got to work we got to do it right they'll kind of sit over there and you know kind of hey are they looking okay hey we're good right they'll kind of do that where the defensive alignment's like what are you looking at huh I can live more than you her, her, her and he's crazy and always looking for something to get him going and go after the quarterback and all that and you know it filters into the locker room too offensive linemen are big they're over there you Know kind of quiet to themselves in the corner, and then the defense alignment they control the radio in the locker room more times than not, and it's usually loud and in-your-face type of music. And yeah, I think there's a lot of psychology elements to what you're saying and what I'm saying that have
1: uh, you know brought more defense alignment to the field than than offensive alignment I remember when Jim Mora, the son, was coaching the Seahawks. At one point in a press conference, he said that as it relates to offensive linemen. He is looking for dirt bags. And he stopped that's, himself and said, well, it's going to be on PFT. <laughs> but but that's what think, he means. But a little. think about. Right, right. But but think about, though, like in the 70s. And I'm not saying that I condone or endorse or or. Encourage this behavior. Think about Conrad Dobler. Yeah, right. There sure. were dirtbag offensive linemen. There were guys that were dirty. There were guys that were nasty. There were guys that were stinky, literally and within their souls. Right. The offensive linemen today just seem kind of placid, like you said. They're grazing like cows. They're not nuts. They're not. Hot. I just. I just think the personality type to be an effective offensive lineman. In this day and age. Yes, I hear is you. It's rare. I think you're right. And a large, strong, athletic individual is going to be more inclined to play defensive lineman yeah. or linebacker and be the one chasing the quarterback, chasing fame, chasing glory, chasing money. And, yes, you, you do get highly compensated if you're very good at what you do. But there just aren't as many that I think are choosing that path. You have to find – you know, you have to find a way to encourage guys to choose that path, and I just don't think it's happening. You know, so that that may be part of it. I think a lot of factors go into it, but the bottom line is quarterback play. Yeah, in today's NFL. Yeah, this year. Right. Seems down, and one of the reasons is a lot of guys are injured, and we're going to see that playing out tonight. Before we pivot to tonight's game, I, I got to tell you something that that and. Nobody cares about your dreams. It's like your fantasy football team. Nobody cares about your fantasy football team, and nobody cares about your dreams. But, but gonna... I did have a dream last night. Okay. That you and I, let me just tell you this real quick. Yes. You and I were hanging out. Right. And it was a Wednesday. Okay. Because you told me, you told me that as a Friday night, you were going to make an appearance on ESPN, and you were going to start making appearances on ESPN. And I said, Chris, I have a feeling NBC isn't going to like that. <laughs> so I just remember that. That was. That <laughs> Thank was, you. So, Thank you for so the so advice, counselor. Don't. don't <laughs> don't try to moonlight. Don't try to moonlight on ESPN. It potentially violates your exclusive contract with NBC. <laughs> yes, All right. Thank you. On neither NBC nor ESPN tonight, will we see the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers? It's another Amazon Prime game. Not very prime. Amazon not prime game tonight. The Panthers and the Bears. Carolina's 1-7. Chicago's 2-7. And, and we're going to see... West Virginia's Tyson Bagent yet again because Justin Fields continues to be unable to play due to the thumb injury he suffered against the Vikings a few weeks ago. Let's listen to head coach Matt Eberflus on the status of Justin Fields. It's about a minute and 15 seconds. It, it requires some attention and interpretation on the back end. Let's have a listen.
2: Um, update on, on Justin Fields. Uh, he's progressing every day. He is not medically cleared um, yet. And uh, Bajant will be our starter for this game and Peterman uh, will back him up. He said he's not medically cleared to go um, right now and uh, he's getting better though. I mean, he's, accuracy he's, uh, accuracy's improving. He's throwing it better and you know he's starting to do more and more and more. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And right now we're listing him as doubtful, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. If if he's doubtful, if he's not medically cleared, well, how come doubtful versus out? Yeah, just to see. We got to give him one more day. Give him one more day. But he's uh, he's working hard, and uh, it's getting better every day. So we'll see where it goes. He's not playing tomorrow. Yeah, he's not playing. I'm just I'm not I'm having trouble understanding. He's he's not playing, but he's doubtful. There's is he out or doubtful? Now he's listed as doubtful. But you're saying that he's out. He's not going to play. We'll see where it goes. Uh, the chances are doubtful, 51% that he's in or out, and uh, it's going to be – we'll see where it is. We got a little time left, but, uh, again, we'll declare him out when he's out. Uh, right now we're still listening to him as doubtful.
3: But he, will he go through any sort of pregame work
2: tomorrow? He may. He may. Yep, he may. It depends on what happens here in the next uh, 24 hours. Yes.
1: Look, I don't know if that was just in artfulness in answering questions, but what a freaking mess. I mean, was that a snippet from a trial that's currently happening in Manhattan, or was that a press conference from the Chicago Bears head coach? What the hell was that? He's playing. He's not playing. He might play. He could play. No, he's not medically cleared. Why is he doubtful? I don't know. Third base. The whole thing was weird, man. It was weird. Right?
3: No, it it definitely was weird. There's no doubt about it. I I don't know if he got, it feels like he got kind of caught in between of like, I don't think he's really playing, right? Like, realistically, like one of those where, you know, hey, Bajan's been the guy preparing all week. We expect him to play. Justin still can't throw the ball to normal capacity where it's like common sense is like he's out and Bajan's starting, but technically he's not yet, right? Because the quarterback is still sitting there going, wait, I want to give it another day. Let me see how I feel tomorrow. And I think he had a little slip of the tongue, slip of the mind, whatever there, right? With, yeah, common sense he's out, but technically at this point he's not out yet and he shouldn't have gone down the out road to start that conversation there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounded on one hand like he's trying to leave the door open just a little bit for the possibility that there's going to be some magical recovery in the next 24 hours, and Justin Fields is going to secure medical clearance and regain his full capacity. Yeah. But it's probably not going to happen. I kind of feel like that's what he was trying to say. that's right. We we don't want to rule him out just in case something would happen – because I think once you put out on a guy, you can't take it back. I'm it's pretty like sure taking that's your right. Hand off the yes, checker. right. You can't say he's out and then say, "Oh, wait, he's been upgraded to doubtful." Yes. No. Once he's out, he's out. So it may be that simple. But but when he says, "No, he's not playing tomorrow night," that kind of blows the whole thing. And one of the reasons why it's important is in this age of legalized gambling, there isn't much that the teams have to provide. You would like to think whatever they provide is accurate. So when they say doubtful as the official injury designation and the head coach says he's not playing, some people may get confused. Not that anybody's out there like getting ready to bet on Justin Fields props and bet on the Bears to win because they think Fields is going to come back. But if he's not playing, just just make him out. And if he and if the truth is, we're just keeping a sliver of hope alive in the event That he can play, then just say that. So, look, one of the realities being a head coach in the NFL, you better be a damn good communicator and you better be able to speak extemporaneously and answer questions in a way that is clear and understandable and not internally consistent in the same 75 second clip. Otherwise, you inherit problems. That you otherwise got right. Need. That's right. I agreed
3: with that. Uh, that's where you know, standing in front of the podium, looking appropriate, saying the appropriate things. Yeah, it's not only sending a message to your fans, your players, right? You know, it's it's about the overall look, and too, yeah, that message right there. If you got a group of fans that are like, I'm not sure about this guy, right? That adds to more of fuel on the fire of wait, with the, I don't think he's sure what the hell's going on there. So how could I be sure about this guy if he's not sure who the hell's starting at quarterback tomorrow? What the hell is going on? You know, so that, that's that's where it is. It's it's not a big deal. You're right, but it's you know worth us sitting here laughing and, and it's probably get made fun of in Chicago a little more than it should, uh, because they are sitting here at two and seven and people are looking to jump on them and Eberflus and the whole organization right now.
1: But that's a, that's an important point. Yeah. When your team is bad and you're already a punchline, why give the local media, why give the fans, why give the people who are going to create the groundswell for change that kind of red meat that they can sink their teeth into and say, this guy doesn't get it. We need a new head coach. We need a new everything. This is the guy who's running our team. Where have you gone, Mike Ditka? (laughs) So, yeah, I, I think that... I think that we we don't realize how important it is, just like offensive linemen. We don't realize how important they are until they fail to do their job. And we don't understand the importance of properly communicating as an NFL head coach until it's a train wreck. And that, all due respect to Matt Eberflus and the Bears, was a train wreck. It was unfortunate. It was an unforced error, and it created unnecessary confusion. And the whole doubtful label is strange anyway. Remember, they revamped the injury reporting guidelines. I don't know. It's been seven, eight years. used to be probable. Right. Probable was meaningless. Anyone who was listed as probable played. And then questionable was 50-50. And doubtful, it was like 25%. And then they've changed it so there's no probable. If you're less than 100%, you're questionable down to 50. If you're less than 50, you're doubtful yeah. down to zero. But nobody who's doubtful ever plays. It rarely happens. One I remember is the first game of the 2012 season. Your Giants against the Cowboys. Yeah. Jason Witten was doubtful with a spleen condition. Oh, right. And somehow that. he played. Yeah, right. there's There's an interesting story out there about how he got medical clearance to play that I will defer to another day. But he played. As doubtful, it does not happen very often. The fact that that's the one that sticks out to me, and maybe there's been one or two. I, I since can't then. think of one, but usually, usually, if you're doubtful, you just don't play. But I think doubtful should be used more often. I mean, hell, every time and we see what teams do. If you're the road team, you you have ten guys questionable, and I'm using just an example here. I'm not saying this happens all the time, but just by way of example, ten guys are questionable. You're the visiting team. The day before the game, you're going to fly. That day, half of the guys that are questionable are ruled out because they're not making the trip. Well, if they weren't making the trip, why the hell were they questionable in yeah, the first place? They I were doubtful. You. right? But the NFL doesn't care. The NFL's not going to chase these teams around. The NFL doesn't want to scratch the surface too hard of this because the NFL at some level does not like to stand up to the world and say, Hey, everybody, look, we got a bunch of cheaters here. Yeah. We're an inherently corrupt organization. Hey, prosecutor. You know that RICO law you're using down in Georgia? Why don't you use it against us? So I and I'm kidding, sort of, but I also do believe that part of the PR concern is they don't want the world to look at the NFL and say, "Man, you got a lot of corrupt organizations under that shield."
3: Yeah, no, I I think you know I, I think you raised some fair points there. I do, you know. I don't think that's the total reason for for you know some of that stuff too. At times, I do think. It's NFL coaches, Mike, right? And NFL football players, where just kind of like in this scenario here, you know, I'm sure the medical staff, everybody's going to Eberville, it's like, he's out, he's not going to be able to do it. But coaches are somewhat hopeful, and then the player doesn't want to hear out yet. So that also, you know, the player goes, give me, give me a number 24 hours, right? I'm a special athlete. I heal differently. Let me, Let me just see. I might make a remarkable jump here. So I do think sometimes that, you know, like your scenario with it's doubtful, it's doubtful, they don't get on the plane, now he's out. It is because it goes to the 24th hour on some of these guys where they're still going, I think I might be able to do it. You know, one more round of rehab, I think that could get me over the edge here to where I can, you know, this weekend, I think I'll be ready to go and play and i think that also adds to maybe the confusion or the weirdness of some of these labels and how long they go on and why they are what they are
1: too that explains one case it doesn't explain why in almost every case no one is ever doubtful yeah yeah there no, you're be right some know, guys right. Who can't who definitely who can't right. say where what you, know, you said exactly they're not right. all saying right just give me one more day no you're right and there's and definitely a from, handful of you know, like where they come
3: in for rehab on monday and everybody, the training, like, there's no freaking way he'll be able to play this week, but they still get listed as doubtful for a day or two before it finally becomes out or, you know, or, or three questionable. days or questionable, or questionable, excuse me. Right. And that's where, that's where I think it is a little misleading at times for sure.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone.
1: And that is a prime example of the reality that inside information exists. And there are people who know it. There are people who can get their hands on it. There are people who will presumably pay money for it and use it. And that's why the NFL needs to strive for a greater degree of transparency before that first big scandal as it relates to gambling, which is coming. It's just a matter of time. I just feel like there's. Plenty of we'll let somebody else worry about that. We're just going to ride it out here. How many years do I left on, have left on my contract? Okay, I'll worry about the next guy, the next person, the next. I'm serious. Yeah. I feel like that's part of it. Yeah. yeah, the storm clouds are gathering, but I'll be safe and secure in Bora Bora by the time the storm ever actually arrives. With <laughs> you know the 200 million retirement fund that I've amassed over the years. I'm not referring to anyone in particular. I'm just. Trying to make a point. I know you're talking right. about Cliff uh,
3: Kingsbury, but he's over in Bora Bora when he got fired. I yeah, that's right. that's right. That's
1: <laughs> right. So. Uh, you want to talk uh, about the, the game a little?
3: Yeah, this game. Come on, Let's man. Let's go. Get your juices Let's flowing. Let's go. Get the blood flowing. And,
1: All right? Come and on. Hey, hey. I'll- Listen, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. It's football. It's on TV. It's a chance to watch a game. Remember, I complained about the Bears-Commanders game from a few weeks ago, and it was a great game. We don't know what we're going to get tonight. We get the opportunity to watch an NFL game, one game, focus on it, enjoy it, and, you know, can't be any worse than Chargers-Jets on Monday night, so we have that going for us. Uh, But the Panthers, they showed a little glimmer of hope beating the Texans, which in hindsight, fairly impressive because the Texans are not bad. Yeah. They didn't follow it up, though, with a win against the Colts. Not they took all. a step backward, as Frank Re- Frank Reich. Frank Reich, yes. Frank yes. Reich, the head coach of the Panthers, said. I got, I'm thinking, is he still coaching the Colts? No, he's coaching the Panthers. Frank Reich, the coach of the Panthers, said the offense took a step back. What do you want to see from Bryce Young tonight?
3: Well, I, I think the the thing I just, you know, again, you talk about them and Carolina, right? It, it's, it's still fine in their way. It is ugly on the offensive side of the football. You know, there's not a lot of like, oh, explosive playmakers like we talk, right? You know, uh, it's Adam Thielen who's at the end of his career is the go-to guy of their offense, and I don't mean like he's at the last year of his career, but he's certainly not like should be a featured number one receiver anymore, right? But the thing to me is with Bryce Young. You know, he does and has a handful of plays every game where I go, man, look at him move. Look at that throw. Look at that delivery, right? But there's still, you know, throws and things that I look at to go like that right there, right? Yeah, your size, you know, the lack of a really strong arm in the pocket, pocket collapsing. There's still a lot of plays and throws that I look at from that aspect to where I just go, eh, I want to see more in that department, right? His sliding, his movement, sometimes his ability to feel a defense or a window or a hole a hole in the defense, that is all remarkable. He has all those intangibles that way, and he has great feel for the game. But it's the pure raw power in his arm, you know, ability to throw off the back foot, an aggressive throw down the field. Oh, wait, there's somebody in my face a little bit. And I can still hang in here and make the throw, those to me are the ones that are few and far between right now. And that's what I want to see more of. I mean, to me, again, you know, sliding, doing all this, you know, getting on the edge, that's all good against some teams, but as you know, as we know, as you want to get better and become more dominant in this league and become a great quarterback, more times than not, it's gonna come down to you making plays in the pocket, making big throws there. Like you see from a C.J. Stroud or a Joe Burrow or Mahomes when he's, you know, on fire or anything like that. And I think that's a department that he's still a little less than in and, and needs some work.
1: One of the problems with the performance of Bryce Young so far yeah. is that the immediate comparison is the guy on whom the Panthers passed. Right. C.J. Stroud. Right. He's been spectacular. You said yourself this may be the best rookie performance we've ever seen from an NFL quarterback. Definitely, That just underscores. Yeah. And and both teams, Chris, both teams tonight have egg on their face over this because the Panthers, you can argue, should have taken Stroud, not Young. Right. And the Bears, you can argue, should have traded Fields and taken Stroud with the first overall pick in the draft and not given that pick up. Yeah. And I think you're the one who said someone told me in the days before the draft, the weeks before the draft that if Bryce Young was a few inches taller, the Bears would have taken him and traded Justin Fields. Right. Right. Well, they had a guy that fit that profile and it was CJ Stroud. So both teams tonight, both teams tonight are the teams we can look at and say, Hey, each of you maybe should have gotten C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I, 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 I stand
3: by. though That was a, you know, a pretty
1: common thought from people I trust throughout
3: football. That they felt like hey, Chicago liked Bryce Young. They weren't comfortable with his size. And if he was bigger, they would have drafted him number one and traded Justin Fields. The C.J. Stroud thing, again, I think it's the Ohio State quarterback, right? There's a little bit of a thing around that that none of them have worked out yet in the NFL, Right, And I mean, sometimes, which is hilarious, they go back to like two previous coaching staffs with this and go like they think there's a dot to connect there. And I just want to go, it's coincidence. Stop everybody. Right. So I think that, you know, and then some of the ugly rumors we heard out there leading up to the draft about C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I think made teams tentative. And then Ohio State with the talented receivers and all that, people are wondering, wait, how much is the quarterback? How much is the receivers and how much talented they are compared to the other teams? I think it all worked you know, against C.J. Stroud, you know Justin Fields having you know not a great first two two and a half years to his career. I think people are like, oh, I don't know about these Ohio State quarterbacks. I think that hurt C.J. Stroud. But as you know, and I, you know, from from the draft process, none of that showed on the field. And then all I saw on the field when you watch film was just one bullseye after another, and you just went, okay, wait, it's great decisions, great throws, all of that. You know, So, yeah, they've missed out on one, and they're going to have to deal with that. And that does that puts pressure on Bryce Young and Frank Reich and the whole organization in Carolina right now, especially to, to make sure Bryce Young looks the part. It's part of the reason I think they won that game coming out of the bye. It was a little bit like we need our first win, but we also need to prove that we took the right quarterback in Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. They were a little more motivated from that you know scenario, uh, and they got it done. But, yeah, it's not even close, Mike, right now. C.J. Stroud is in the, like – top 10 quarterback in football conversation, right? Bryce Young is like still like, hey, we're just hoping he can hang on to the starting job this year and keep playing. It, they're in two different stratospheres right now. Uh, so, you know, Bryce Young, we'll see what steps he can make tonight to, you know, continue his development and impressing us all here.
1: And from time to time on this program and elsewhere, I have said that I believe someone drafting below the Texans yeah, was trying to spread – misinformation, innuendo, rumor, and negativity about C.J. Stroud so that he would drop far enough so that whoever was spreading that stuff could draft him, the ultimate football exercise in Machiavellianism. Someone asked me this question the other day, and I'm not making accusations here. I'm fascinated by the possibility, and I don't think that it's true, what if Nick Casario was the one pulling the Jedi mind trick to get the Bears to trade the pick and the Panthers to take Bryce Young? I don't believe that. I think Casario was the potential victim of it. I think someone was trying to make him wobbly I agree, because it agree. became pretty apparent that the Panthers were locking onto Bryce Young yep. because that's who David Tepper wanted. That's who, and the, and he was clearly involved. Anytime the owner's going to pro day workouts and having dinner with the player no the night doubt. before the workout, right. that's a red flag that the owner has a spoon in the stew when the owner should otherwise be sitting out at the table waiting for them to bring the stew out to him. That's the flaw, and that's why the Panthers have Bryce Young. You want to blame somebody, and I know, I know that the coaching staff and GM, they'll, they'll take the bullet because they have to because David Tepper pays them. I'll tell you, based on 23 years of doing this and seeing these trends and, and you know, lather, rinse, repeat, this was Tepper. Tepper fell in love with Bryce Young. Tepper ignored the warning signs. Tepper didn't take a close look at C.J. Stroud. Didn't matter. Young's my guy, and here we are.
3: Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think there's a lot of people in football that kind of feel the same way, Mike. I think, you know, your pasta and meatballs are – you know, probably in the right place in this one. And and, and I kinda have the same feeling, you know, you know, from, from people I talk to in football as well that it feels that way. That that the owner definitely got involved and made it pretty apparent and who he likes and where he wanted to go. So we'll see. So now they gotta go all in and support him, you know. And and, and the biggest thing too is Yeah, he's learning how to play football in the NFL. Yes, his size is a detriment to his, you know, his ability and what he could show on the field. All right, so they got to figure out a formula that's what's what's going to work for him going forward. Right now, I don't think it's totally fair to evaluate them and make too harsh of a judgment because I don't think they got this team anywhere near where it could support him or show you know all of us his given you know his his God given skills. They don't run the ball that well, and when they do open the hole, they don't have any running backs that really can do anything special, like I talked about. You know, Adam Thielen major respect for him and his career. You saw him last year in Minnesota. You know, it's solid. I get that. He shouldn't be your number one go-to, like he's the only guy we can throw to the football to. You know, they got to figure out, do they want to be a running team and play action pass and do that with Bryce Young? Or are they going to go more the Alabama thing and get speed at receiver, open the field up, let him be more like Tua as a point guard and kind of just get it out of his hands quick, move around in the pocket, find little holes in windows and do that. They got to figure out what they're going to do to support him to make him his best. I would think that's the route they go, but they got some work to do in that department. They traded away picks. They traded away one of the best receivers that we're going to see tonight on the other side of the field and DJ Moore. So they got, you know, a lot there as far as re or turning over their roster to get talent there to help out the number one pick as we know, which is so important. So we'll see where that all goes.
1: We got to witness earlier a word salad with all sorts of funky ingredients from Matt Eberflus. How about Frank Reich, the Panthers head coach from this week, answering the question of whether he had any say in trying to keep DJ Moore from being traded from the Panthers to the Bears? Here's Reich.
2: I knew he was a great player, but when you find your quarterback, you got to go all in. There's and you and you can't look back and. Those are really hard decisions, and especially what makes it harder is with a guy like you know. Even though I didn't know him, uh, you know, I know that'd even be harder for everybody else here that did know him. But you know, when you find the quarterback that you want, you have to be willing to make that. You have to be willing to make that deal, and um, that's just that's just part of the business that stinks. But um, you know, you're you're taking steps to build a championship franchise, and getting your quarterback is a big deal, and so that's the move we made.
1: Yeah, so if there was any doubt about this idea that the Panthers moved to number one and then decided who they wanted, they just wanted to control the board, it's clear from what Reich is saying. Right. They knew it was Young. Exactly. Before they made the trade. Right. They settled on Young before they made the trade. It wasn't, let's go get the number one pick and then we'll figure it out from there, like the 49ers did when they moved up to number three in 2021. This was, we want Bryce Young this is the way to get Bryce Young. And if we have to give up DJ Moore and all this other stuff, so be it. And that gets back to one of my other fundamental concerns. As we move the pieces around on the chessboard, as we play with the Monopoly money, which really isn't Monopoly money, but it feels like it's a game that is detached from humanity. You got a kid who's coming to the NFL as the top prospect, supposedly consensus top prospect. Yeah, He's already got enough pressure on him. You're putting more on him. When you give up DJ Moore and mortgage your future to move up to get him. And I'd like to think that some of these really smart owners who were able to amass multi-billion dollar fortunes in other businesses have sufficient emotional intelligence to understand the situation in which they're putting this kid This 21, 22-year-old kid who's already going to feel the weight of the world on his shoulders as the first overall pick in the draft. Now, on top of that, you're the savior of our franchise. We've given up all this shit to get you. Pardon me. Hey, uh, go go about your business. (laughs) Have fun. Enjoy Charlotte. Relax. No worries. I mean, come on, man. That's a yeah. tough situation to put anyone in. I know you could say. I know you could say. Well, if he can't deal with that, he's not ready to be an NFL quarterback. I mean, you do kind of ease yourself into the hot bathtub. You don't just get thrown into That's it. That's Right? I hear you. You got
3: thrown right into it with yeah. this. Yeah. No. I. I you know. I, I agreed with you there. Hey, listen. In my heart of hearts, yes. I mean, like you said, David Tepper. I think this was his pick. Okay, he wanted to make the move. He wanted to go to Bryce Young. In my heart of hearts, and Frank Reich will never say this to anybody or tell anybody, I don't think Bryce Young is his cup of tea (laughs) from his history of what we've seen. You know, I mean, first off, he's a big pocket passing quarterback yes he backed up yes. a giant big passing quarterback and and uh, jim kelly right his coaching career everything leading up to this tells you he believed in big pocket passing quarterback again more of the cj stroud thing so that's where yeah i do think the owner got involved and yeah they traded away some important assets and you look at the Bears, they, they not only got D.J. Moore, they struck gold with fir- those first two picks there. Darnell Wright looks the real deal at right tackle. The Tyreek Stevenson kid they got from Miami at corner is the real deal, right? And then now they got the first and second picks of Carolina again this year. So they're going to have to spend money on the free agent market to get some of these players here around Bryce Young, and we'll see where that goes. We'll see how this matchup looks tonight. You know, Chicago, the good thing about this, and we talked about Bryce Young and some of his problems, right? You know, they're not a great pass-rushing football team, and they're not – necessarily unbelievable in the secondary either. So you can throw the ball. He should have a little time to throw the ball here. Uh, the Bears kind of play man-to-man and load the box and worry about the run. So we'll see if Bryce Young can, you know, make a few plays tonight and, and uh, you know, show the Chicago Bears defense the talents he's got and show us all the talents he's
1: got. And let me tell you, the point you just made is so spot on. Okay, I'm 5'11 and three quarters. To the amazement of many,
3: <laughs> it is. I
1: am 5'11. And I know, I have
3: people all right? the time but you, asking You can vouch. Me. I can. Uh, yeah, I always, yeah. Well, I always have people yeah. that are like, oh, De Florio, he, he's small, right? And I'm always like, hey, he's bigger than you think. He is, he's a big 5'11 is what I always tell people. He kind of got long arms and square shoulders, tiny brain, but other than that, everything else is pretty good. <laughs> yeah,
1: <right. laughs> so I just remember the first time... I went to Super Bowl week when you were at Radio Row and you meet people, you see people, and here's Boomer Esiason, and I'm like, holy, where's the beanstalk, Mm -hmm. right? And then here comes Dan Marino. It's like, there's another one. Yeah. You don't appreciate when you're watching the game on TV how big most quarterbacks are. So – if you're 6 foot 4 inch Frank Reich, who played with 6 foot 4 or 6 foot 5 inch Jim Kelly. Right. If that's all you've known, if that's the model that you have experienced, why do you want a guy my size playing quarterback for you? It reminds me of the example from Jeff Perlman's book about the USFL, a certain owner who I won't name of a certain franchise in New Jersey really wanted Doug Flutie really wanted Doug Flutie and the coaching staff was trying to talk him out of it. And to illustrate the point, they brought in a guy who was Flutie's height and they brought in a guy who was Randall Cunningham's height. That's the guy that the coaching staff wanted. And they said, here's why we look, look, look at these two people. This is why we want Randall Cunningham. And when you put a six, and I know Stroud isn't six, four, he's six, two, but we saw the pictures the week before the game, we used him at PFT from the draft when Stroud and Young are talking and Stroud's like like bent down, talking down multiple inches to Bryce Young. that That's real. When you're talking about all the things you have to do to be an NFL quarterback, that's real. So anyway, nothing against small quarterbacks. I like it when guys my size thrive in the NFL, but it's not easy.
3: It's not easy to do. No, it's not easy to do. And and as you always have heard me say and it's a phrase that I, you know, steal from my father, you know, size is a skill. You know, it's something that goes overlooked a little bit, you know, every now and then. But, you know, th- the size of a big football player adds to the skill of the, you know, the player overall and some of the things he can do on the football field and that translates to quarterback too. Right. I mean, hey, you could do who talk about whoever you want. Like you talked about Dan Marino, John Elway, Phil Sims, Troy Aikman, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. They're all like guys when you see them and you go, holy crap, they're big. And that allows them to stand in there and make throws in awkward positions. Or, you know, how many times do we see Brady or Peyton Manning people in their face? They're on their back foot and, huh, and they can still throw a 20 yard comeback out to the right. Those are things that the smaller quarterbacks can't do, let alone times they can't even see, and then they just pass it up altogether. So that's where you gotta find the right formula for Bryce Young, the right offense, how you wanna work it and you know, come up with ways that, that make sense for him. And we'll see where that goes. You know, because we have hey, on the other side of the ball, we didn't talk <laughs> about the Bears offense, right? <laughs> but go ahead, what do you wanna say?
1: All right. No, no. I'm just thinking of the first time that I met you. Yeah. I'm in the media center in Houston before Super Bowl 51. You come lurching over, and I want to get a slingshot and take out Goliath. He scared the <laughs> shit out of me. I got this, this big monster coming over my I mean, that's just the reality. So that's why, that's why the challenge for Bryce Young is what it is. Yeah. There is a major advantage in being tall, and most NFL quarterbacks are are freakishly tall, and you just don't realize it when you're watching the game because most of the offensive linemen are, are that gigantic. size too.
3: Right, exactly. It's hard to look big when you're around a bunch of people that are 6'6", 320. I mean, I don't care what you – know you you got to be that size to not look small around them. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. And, hey, you take it over to Chicago. Chicago's been kind of fun to watch here as of late on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see where it goes on defense. Like I said, they play man-to-man almost every play. So, you know, it's either a good thing or a bad thing happens. And, and then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, P- Bajen's fun. I mean, you, you, you got to say that. Now, we'll see him. He'll stand in the pocket with people around him and his size and make some throws. He's a very good athlete, as we're seeing. Ran the ball awesome last week with scrambles and quarterback design runs. So, we'll see where that goes. Their offensive line's not bad. They can run the ball. We know that. And this is a Carolina defense that is awesome at pass defense, has a little issues with the run game. So we'll see. Can Chicago push them around, move them around? And then if they do, they might open up the field, and they do have some weapons on the offensive side of the ball right now. Cole Komet is coming up the train tracks as one of the best tight ends in football. All right, we talked about D.J. Moore. D.J. Moore is a superstar that if he was on a really good team, we'd be going, huh, is he one of the three best receivers in football? And Darnell Mooney, who looks like he's got all his explosion back after his ACL last year, he's starting to look like the guy we know he can be. So, you know, we might see some exciting plays and some good offense tonight, nonetheless, with some of these young guys. Yeah, it's kind of a meaningless game, but these are two – organizations that are trying to build something for the future. And I still think that's what's going to lead to the urgency of them wanting to win tonight and look good and, you know, make sure the media and their own fan base doesn't have something to jump on even more, you know, to put them down. And that, I think that's going to lead to the intrigue of the, the game tonight.
1: Yeah, so look, I think we've spent a solid 50 minutes talking about a game that on the surface you look at it and say, I wonder if how Michaels is even going to show up. Al, <laughs> there's reason to be there. Uh, it's football. It's on TV. It's Tyson Bagent, West Virginia's own, who is six foot three. It's Bryce Young, and it's a couple of teams that could have had CJ Stroud, but don't. And it's one of the reasons why one is one and seven, and the other is two and seven. Well, we'll last thing, picks for that oh, game I was just, the, Yeah,
3: go ahead. I was gonna say last thing too. Like, where do you think the Bears are with Justin Fields? Like, where are they? right I, I i still think a lot of people in football are like uh is he the quarterback of the future i felt like he was kind of solidifying himself as that a little bit and finally showing us all like hey look at these throws putting up some you know points and yards in the past game right but like what's your meat, pasta and meatball say about the assessment of where the bears are with Justin Fields they have they have two very high picks coming up in the draft because of their own record and Carolina's pick, right, to where they could certainly get a quarterback. It, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a weird one that I don't really have a feel for right now as we sit here going into Week 10.
1: Well, and, and anytime now we see a guy who's injured midway through the season and he's able to come back, there's a level of sensitivity to the Derek Carr phenomenon that we saw last year when the Raiders put him in bubble wrap the last two weeks of the season – Because there was an injury guarantee that was going to be fully vested $40 million right after the Super Bowl. That's not a concern with Justin Fields. He has one year left on his rookie contract after this season. It's already fully guaranteed. The decision they have to make is in May whether or not they're going to pick up the fifth-year option. If he's even there, then. They could trade him right after the season to someone, to anyone, and that would be the indication that they are going to go quarterback in the draft. Now, would they hold him? to try to create the ruse that we're not taking a quarterback in the event they don't control the board. That's part of it as well. Hold him and trade him right after the draft. Trade him during the draft. Trade him after you get the guy you want. And then meanwhile, you've got Tyson Bagent in your back pocket. So I I thought that they should hold Justin Fields for this year because he showed enough last year that let's see what he can do in his third season. And let his third season be the upper out year, and whatever the reasons, nobody's fault. Got injured, couldn't play. Unless he comes back and he's spectacular down the stretch, running and passing. Yeah, you move on. You just move on. It's one of the one of the great things about the rookie weight scale for teams. You can get it wrong with a quarterback taken high in the draft, and it doesn't cripple you financially like it used to. You just move on. We got Tyson Bajant. We've got two high picks. We're just going to move on, but then the challenge becomes: when do you pull the trigger in relation to tipping your hand about what you're planning to do? That's right. In the draft, right. that's the key. But if they have picks, if they have the first pick, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they got so picks they two can and trade three it before right before The draft, if they have the first pick. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I know it's interesting, so, but I, I think they're going to be done with him after this year. You do. I, the current regime, the current regime didn't draft him. I know. Current regime didn't draft him. Right. And the guy currently in charge of the team didn't hire the GM and the coach that's there. There's a lot of dust that needs to settle after this season. Kevin Warren could say to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, that's it. We're moving on. So you get an entirely new regime that comes in and makes these decisions instead of the guys who are currently there. Yeah,
3: they got, you're right. There's a lot of a lot of things to, to think about there in Chicago. I, I would hope they don't change the regime. You know, again, it, it, it would to me. You look at it and go, "How was the regime supposed to be all that successful here?" I mean, they obviously, you know, weren't putting their best foot forward last year, right? We know that. Remember, had all the money they didn't spend and and you know the salary cap left over here. So I don't think they've really given Poles or Eberflus a chance to show what they have with the current status of their football team here. I would think they get one more year. The quarterback thing. Is going to be very interesting. It definitely is. And I like you. I got a feeling it feels like they're going to move along from Justin Fields, but I don't know that. Uh, and We'll see where it all goes as, as this plays out. Because like we talked about earlier in the show, always- it'll reveal itself here at the end of the season and, and how he plays when he gets back on the field. And, you know, that'll have a big say in it.
1: As I always say, there's three types of teams in the NFL. Number one, the teams that have franchise quarterbacks. Number two, the teams that desperately are looking for franchise quarterbacks. And number three, the teams that have a quarterback and they're not quite sure whether or not he's going to be a franchise quarterback. The Bears, I think, this year are moving from Category 3 to Category 2. I think that's where this is going, and they're trying to get, as every team is, to Category 1. Somehow, even though... The two teams have a combined three wins. We managed to go nearly an hour talking about tonight's game. Yeah. I'm proud. Hopefully, hopefully, the game will live up to the hype. Let's take a break. When we, Whatever hype there may be. When we return, George Pickens addresses the scrubbing of his social media of all things Steelers. We'll discuss that when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?